Can you get your score out while you're vibrating? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky, to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hey, guys. And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right, tonight we are reviewing the 2013 supernatural horror film, The Conjuring, directed by James Wan and written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. It's the inaugural film in the Conjuring Universe franchise. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga star as Ed and Lorraine Warren, paranormal investigators and authors associated with prominent cases of hauntings. Their purportedly real-life reports inspired the Amityville horror story and film franchise. The Warrens come to the assistance of the Perrin family, who experienced increasingly disturbing events in their farmhouse in Rhode Island in 1971. The Conjuring was released in the United States and Canada on July 19, 2013 and received positive reviews from critics. It grossed over $319 million worldwide against a $20 million budget. A sequel, The Conjuring 2, was released on June 10, 2016, with a third film currently in development. For tonight's drink pairing with The Conjuring, we are drinking none other than the Conjuring cocktail. Believe it or not, there is a drink specifically associated with this movie. And for all those folks who are wondering what the heck is in a Conjuring cocktail... Um, it is a very interesting mix of absinthe, coconut milk, cream de cacao, and some black cambia sambuca. So get your shakers ready and stir this one up as you kick back and watch The Conjuring. Thanks, Anne. All right, so before we get into the movie review, we usually talk about our expectations going into the watch. Helen, why don't you talk about your expectations? I know I had watched this before. I don't remember exactly when. But I enjoyed it a lot, and I was expecting to enjoy it again, and I was not disappointed. Okay. Yeah. So I was excited to get back into The Conjuring family, The Conjuring series. Um, Definitely had seen this movie before, and I remember really liking it at that point. You know, over the past few months, as we've continued to watch more and more horror movies, kind of, I wouldn't say becoming an aficionado per se, but certainly more educated. I was excited to go back and kind of revisit this and get back into this and Annabelle and The Conjuring 2 and everything else that's associated with it. Uh, In this movie, kind of like The Ring and this movie are two major, I think, tentpole horror movies in the 2000s and 2010s. Like, I feel like The Ring started off this whole bunch of movies that, like, The Grudge and sort of the Japanese horror coming over and being remade. Like, it started all that. And then I feel like The Conjuring started what what we may still be in or we may have just come out of. This sort of, like... um, like a second wave. That's what I mean. Like like yeah. kind of the hauntings and supernatural horror movies that have come up in the last, say, six years or so. So um, I was excited to watch it. I wasn't disappointed, I don't think. All right. Well, with that, and why don't you roll the trailer? Sure thing, right? Here we go. Trailer time and action. All right. It's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. Nothing. 
What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You're picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Uh, we've never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. In 1971, Roger and Carolyn Perrin move into a dilapidated farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, with their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. Their dog, Sadie, refuses to enter the house, and one of the children, while playing a game of hide-and-clap, finds a boarded-up entrance to a cellar. So the movie, like, actually starts off with the Annabelle scene that we see when we watched Annabelle. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this one had more details, and I guess it was a foreshadowing of what the director, I guess, James Wan, is that? Yeah, James yeah, Wan, yeah, that he was going to maybe go with his next film if this was a success, which obviously it was a success. But I just thought it was interesting that it did give more detail in the movie about what the doll did with the nurses rather than the actual Annabelle movie with like the notes and writing, did you miss me or something mm-hmm. yeah. on them. And I thought that was interesting, but I don't know if I necessarily felt like it needed to be here. I would agree. It definitely was a sort of a setup for the Conjuring universe, if you will. I thought it was very interesting that they decided to just take so much time. It wasn't just them like telling a little bit and them mm-hmm. explaining that, you know, well, it's not just, uh, you know, ghosts, it's demons or it's demonic, which I thought was the point of getting oh, to it true. was them to explain that. So when you went into the actual Conjuring movie, you kind of had a sense of that. But yeah, they I, they spent like multiple scenes. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it threw me off for sure. I completely forgot that Annabelle was in this movie. Um, so when we kicked it off again, and it's, to your point, um, you know, fe- featuring these nurses and taking them through that whole Annabelle story. And then I'm thinking, why are they doing this? Because, you know, I'm thinking ahead to the story, like, what's the whole point of this? And then again, you know, if we fast forward all the way to the end... And they kind of reintroduce Annabelle and the creepiness of the doll all the way at the end. So the whole movie is sort of sandwiched between, you know, the Annabelle doll scenes. And 
you know, on reverse reflection, you're just kind of like, but why? And it just felt very gimmicky. gimmicky. It felt kind of pointless to me. And to your point, it's almost like he was trying to get his foot in the door with the next movie. Maybe they'd already signed the deal to produce that. But it was not well incorporated, I didn't think. Well, what I think is interesting is, not not to stay off topic of the, this actual movie, but the second Conjuring isn't about Annabelle. And the Annabelle movie isn't about Ed and, and Lorraine Warren and Annabelle. But it almost seems like this movie is setting up this idea that Annabelle is like the big bad, right? The demon, the horn demon or whatever that sort of attached itself to her is like this big bad. Because they almost, in this movie, they they shy away. You know, they, they, they kind of tilt towards Annabelle a little bit in the story, but they shy away from it. And, and she's hushed tones to kind of talk about her. So it's interesting that you wonder if in The Conjuring 3 or in whatever, wherever the story's going, ultimately it ends up being sort of like Lorraine and Ed Warren versus Annabelle. Oh, that's interesting. I also was thinking, like, if they were trying to tie in the museum that Ed and Lorraine have. I know Ed has passed, but, like, they could do future movies from... What were you going to say? I just had a look for Ray. Has he? (laughs) Um, That you could do future movies from pieces within the museum. Because they kept kind of pointing to Annabelle, but there's all these other things in there that you just, you don't know the backstory to. So they could go on forever. Very Mm -hmm. very much like, uh, what was that? uh, Was Friday the 13th TV show? Wasn't that about like artifacts, cursed artifacts? Remember 1980s, early 90s? Yeah, of course I remember the show, but no, I don't remember about it. I thought it was like a, they were in some sort of library or something and they had all these cursed artifacts. And I thought that was like the thing was like these. Maybe. I mean, the one that I really remember was about the Pied Piper. So it could have been about the flute. He always scared me. Yeah, well, I don't even remember what the was it the Pied Piper kids followed him, right? That's all I remember. Well, in this movie, they play did, like this did, Pied Piper flute and like bugs and snakes and everything start coming out of like every crevice in your house and like oh, eventually nice. out of people's like faces and brains and stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, so a little bit of a different take yeah. on that one. Yeah, I, I see. <laughs> I, I thought it was all about pies, but I do I love not. pie. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Back to the movie. <laughs> okay, so. So it really opens up with the parent family coming to this house. Very Amityville horror-like to me. Kind of felt like Amityville horror. Also, I was interested in the fact that although it's supposed to be Rhode Island, I definitely get like this Georgia flair with the the lake or whatever right out there. I don't know. Something about the way that it looks. Mm-hmm. The trees. I mean, you could almost feel like it had the Spanish moss. Although yeah. I don't think it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't think it did. But just the way that the tree was and the whole dock and all that didn't yeah. feel Rhode Island to me. But I've never yeah. been to Rhode Island, so. Um, I have, but I was also just very excited that it was in Rhode Island and not Pennsylvania for once. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I love me some good Pennsylvania. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, oh, Rhode Island, like that's refreshing. You know, let's move up the coast a little bit type of thing. Oh, and how much, I I don't want to jump too far in, but how much did the cop from Rhode Island remind you of me, myself, and Irene, the cops from that movie? You know, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. Yeah. And what's her name? Was it Jewel? I don't know. It wasn't Jewel. Jewel? What's the the lady with the... um, Bridget Jones. Reese Witherspoon? No, Bridget Jones. Bridget <laughs> Jones Diary. Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> no. No. Who's in Bridget Jones' diary? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Here we go. Okay, anyway. No, me, myself, and Irene. And he, and he remember, he's the... Hold on. Renee Zellweger. Renee's, oh. Renee Zellweger. Thank you. And he's and he's the Rhode Island <laughs> cop, and he's, kind of, and he's kind of goofy, right? And well, he has the three... And he Jim has Harry. the three black... And he's the three black sons, remember? No. Oh my god! You gosh. remember way too much oh about goodness. that movie. That movie was hilarious, by is the way. Is that your favorite movie? No, it's not my favorite movie at all, <laughs> but I'm, my point is that the cop in this movie is like, looks like he could have walked out of that movie I thought into for this movie. sure you were going to say Dewey from Scream. 
Well, that too. He did have a Dewey-ness to him, but although he was a little, I think, buffer than Dewey. He's Yeah, what Dewey would have wanted to be with his upper body arm strength yes. reference. Yeah, the actual Dewey. He didn't have know. the stash though, right? I don't remember no, the stash. He, 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 he had a stash. Oh, yeah. That was the Dewey. That was where the Dewey kicked in. Oh, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. I missed that one. All right. <laughs> Back to the movie. Yeah. All right. So they move in. And first thing I'm thinking is like you're moving into this place and the walls are all cracked and everything's going on. And I, I, I mean, they bought it at like a fire sale or whatever, which I'm okay with. But do you really move in before you paint the walls? I don't know. Oh, we did. So, yeah. Okay. I guess you do. Well, yeah. Especially with like five kids. You're like, everybody just get in the house. Also, they're, you know, they're not extremely wealthy. I mean, they're just, I don't even know what he's a truck driver or something yeah, like He's a truck that. driver, yeah. So I don't know why exactly he's moving up to Rhode Island and why they found this random house. And, you know, you don't know any of that. Yeah, it's true. Specifics. That's it true. seemed odd to me. Although my grandfather was a truck driver, so. Yeah. And he lived in the middle of nowhere, too. At the end. <laughs> at, at the end, he did. I before suppose, he retired. Not right, su- before he died. Thank I, you. I, I suppose you can <laughs> drive a truck from anywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, I liked... Um, the scene where Sadie the dog would not come in the house. Right. You're I just thought like, something's wrong. That dog's was not so going good. in. You don't go into that house. That was so good. Yeah, right from the get-go. But I also liked putting myself in the homeowner's um, shoes and just thinking, new house, dog doesn't want to come in. You're kind of like, oh, all right. You know, like, whatever. It's been a long trip. Like, you know, it's a new property. The dog's just, you know, having a moment type of thing. Likewise, with like a lot of the things that happen sort of in the beginning of it, you just kind of go, huh. Eh. Like new house jitters or like the creaky doors or just, you know, weird noises. I mean, every time you move into a new house, you kind of have those weird sort of things that you just need to get acclimated into the house. So I understood where they were coming from a lot was just a lot of these kind of shrugging it off until it reached a critical max, so to speak. So here's one thing that I did not understand. And I picked this up this time watching the movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the seller is boarded up Mm -hmm. and they act like we didn't even know there was a seller. But the furnace is in the cellar, and I would have thought that they would have accessed it and or thought about it and or looked at it prior to, like, buying the house. They bought the house, like, without ever having even seen it. I don't know. They didn't say that. They didn't say they bought it sight unseen. I I just – not to mention there's windows. Right. Like, I I would have thought – yeah, I would have thought somebody had been like, there is a cellar. Like, they acted like they just didn't know there was a cellar at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how inspections went in the 70s, like, if you didn't have those. I don't think in this type of sale. It was right. like they said they bought it from the bank. Right. Or it would have been as is or whatever anyway. Yeah, they didn't care. But yeah, I just thought the whole finding of the seller was a little weird to me. And yeah. the whole I've never played hide and clap. But to do that with all the boxes while you're trying to move seems a little absurd. I'd yeah. be like, kids, go outside. Yeah. And with like all like the fragile lamps and everything mm-hmm. that they're passing by, you're like, you're just waiting for something to get shattered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's five kids. They're probably used to it. Nor will we ever play hand and clap or <laughs> hide and clap, apparently, <laughs> after watching this movie. No, thanks. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this seller thing didn't bother me. I- I'm surprised it bothered you guys that much. It's just part of the movie, right? It's just yeah. spooky element, boarded up seller. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just, I wouldn't say it bothered me too much, but the fact that like everything seemed really, when you, you compare it to The Exorcist, because it's the last kind of possession type movie, right? That we saw? Yeah. Everything seemed way more accelerated here. So even sure, yeah. like the, you know, the dog not coming in and then the finding of the cellar and then just everything well, the progressed exorcist, way faster. Yeah. And the exorcist well, is slow. Right. Well, the, the witch was pissed. Bathsheba. Yeah. Bathsheba, <laughs> of course. Such a crazy name. Paranormal events occur within the first few nights. All the clocks stop at exactly 3.07 a.m. 
Birds are flying into their windows, and Sadie is found dead in the backyard. One night in bed, Christine encounters a malevolent spirit, only she can see, prompting her to claim that the spirit wants her family dead. Another night, Carolyn hears clapping in the hallway. When she goes to investigate following the noises, she gets trapped in the basement by the spirit. At the same moment, Andrea and Cindy are attacked by the spirit on top of the wardrobe. Wow, speaking about jumping it up there. Yeah. yeah. It just like jumps right into it. Sure. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, there isn't much, right? Like like you said, Helen, it basically, whereas the exorcist took a little bit of time to establish like the, the sort of home routine or at least the sense of the relationship between the, the mother and the daughter or in Annabelle's case, like the, the, the husband and wife, like this movie seems to jump right into they're, they're being haunted, they're being targeted. And luckily, like all the kids are targeted. It felt very much like Haunting of Hill House. Uh, where you have all these kids in these different rooms and they're being targeted in different ways. And so, yeah, it really it really jumps up there. I mean, it has very little of the typical uh, husband-wife, husband's leaving, wife wants him to stay, or or the sort of stress in the relationship that the spirit takes advantage of. That just doesn't exist in this movie. Yeah, I do feel like the family dynamic was quickly established, that you felt like it was a good, whole wholesome family with the the way the relationship between the mom and the dad and the kids were. That you kind of were like, oh, it's a shame that the dad's a trucker and he has to go away. Like I said, he had a longer haul of a of a job occupation or whatever. Like he changed his his route. Mm-hmm. Not really quite sure what you call it, but route's good. Thank you. To Flo- Florida, that's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, that is far. To like leave your kids for that long period of time in a brand new house, it must be. Yeah. Well, you know. well, the one thing that was interesting. They must have skipped an entire week. Because he basically leaves, and then when the, that next night, when you see them, and then he he's driving back, and he's like, "Here's the screams!" That's when he comes in and gets the mother out of the basement. And I, I, I was like, "Wait, what happened?" Oh yeah, oh it must be a week later. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of time skipping in this movie that you don't realize because mm-hmm. they talk about it's going to take us a while, or we're going to do this, and then it's always like immediately the next day, seemingly. So it did seem like they sort of fast forwarded, which in a, some some way makes sense because if this is based on true story, yeah. based on actual events. That's okay because they're basically just saying, we're not making this up. We're not pacing it out. Like, we're just taking you through, you know, what anecdotally happened back to back to back. I do agree with you, Ray. I I had written exactly the same thing about the haunting of Hill House. You have the five kids. You have the haunting in the bedrooms, the malevolent spirit behind the door, in the bedrooms, the yanking of the legs. I mean, I half half expected the young one to look over and see, like, the bent neck lady sitting next to the bed. I mean, I was like, this is even framed like, you know, Haunting of Hill House, which makes you wonder how much of cues from this movie that series took. Sure. Well, I think Haunting of Hill House is right in line with that. What I said, you know, Conjuring started a whole line of movies that I think a lot of movies use the same tropes. I mean, this movie uses a lot of tropes from before, but it kind of repackages it. And then I think a lot of movies use it since then. So one of the scenes that kind of annoyed me, though, was with the mother being up and when they, you know, when the spirit starts playing hide and clap again. And she says, you know, girls, it's way past your bedtime. At first, you're like, oh, yeah, that's totally realistic. And then you realize it's 3.07 a.m. and she's folding laundry. And you're like, wait, what? What? Like, <laughs> we're moms and we get it. Like, sometimes you have to stay up late to get get things done. But ain't nobody up at 3.07 a.m. folding laundry. Yeah, I mean, come weird. on. So I, that kind of annoyed me. But, you know, generally the the whole hide and clap thing and the mischievous spirit running throughout the house type of thing was was pretty creepy. Agreed. Carolyn decides to contact demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have recently investigated a possessed doll called Annabelle. 
The Warrens agree to take on the case. They conduct an initial investigation and conclude that the House may require an exorcism, but they need authorization from the Catholic Church and further evidence before they can proceed. Ed and Lorraine discover that the House once belonged to an accused witch, Bathsheba, a relative of Mary Town Eastie, who sacrificed her weak-old child to the devil and killed herself in 1863 after cursing all who would take her land. They found reports of numerous murders and suicides in houses that had been built on the property. So I guess I find it interesting that they immediately find Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like, what do they... I, how do they even know that Ed and Lorraine Warren existed and were in the vicinity? I don't know. Like, I don't know if they were huge and known back then, mm-hmm. but they're, like, doing this kind of, like, college lecture. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, if you look in the front row, Lorraine Warren, the real Lorraine Warren, is sitting there. Interesting. Yeah. So then they go and they investigate the house... And they talk about how the house needs the exorcism, but they require the Catholic Church. And I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've never heard the term exorcism used for a house. Right. I've heard it like the house is blessed or cleansed, cleansed right? Yeah. But exorcism typically is used for a person, I think. Right. And then they have to have the Catholic Church involved with that, I thought was really interesting. Like, why wouldn't you just... Well, I think I think for for an exorcism you need the Catholic Church because right. the Catholic Church house. is the only yeah I don't yeah, know yeah I feel like it's more a, it's a soul thing that they're doing why would you have to have the church there for the house I'm interested to see if that's like an actual thing well the exorcism itself is a rite of the church yeah, like the your church, baptism yeah. is actually an exorcism right so it's a religious ceremony but yeah I mean I like that they addressed it in the movie that they said typically you don't hear this about a house typically you hear it about people so I mean they hit that right on the nose well and you get this you get the sense or at least I do that Ed and Lorraine they're Catholic and they believe in the Catholic worldview as far as like spiritualism and demonic possession and stuff exist like I'm not sure that they would be like oh go get your you know Presbyterian minister and have him bless whatever they they might not think that's good enough mm-hmm. no offense to all you Presbyterians out there <laughs> Um, So one part that I thought was a little weak in sort of the retelling of the story was when they talk about the the witch cursing all of our land and then the other things that had happened on other properties. I like the fact that they sort of said, oh, it's bigger than just this house and we had this one person commit suicide and then this one child drown. But you're like, "Mm," in like the 150 years of history in this place, outside of this house, you've only had two other deaths and all this property. And it's like, what, 200 acres of farm that's been developed into mm-hmm. various... Sub- so I was, a, I was a little bit like... That felt to me like they were trying to stay true to the authentic story of actual occurrences without over-exaggerating, which I do appreciate. But at the same time, you were like, is that it? Amp it up. Yeah. Probably could have fudged it. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. A little bit more <laughs> on that. Yeah, I, I, I would have been with okay that. with that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that was kind of confusing to me is that... When they first go into the house, they, they're kind of talking about the different things that have been happening. And I think Ed says something like, well, that could be demonic, you know, activity. And they never come back around to really say that, that Bathsheba is not a demon, that she's, I mean, obviously she's a witch, right? But if, they're, if that elevates her status in some way, because they kind of make this specific, I mean, they use the Annabelle prologue, the Annabelle prologue to like go into this whole thing about demons, but there is no demon in this movie except for Annabelle, or the demon that's with Annabelle. Like, it's mostly just this witch. And so, you know, she's trying to possess the mom, which, okay, I thought that was cool, actually, because we didn't know that until kind of later on in the movie, which I thought was pretty cool. But she's not a demon. So I don't know why they really even needed the Annabelle stuff in there to begin with. Yeah, it almost seemed like the music box where they use it to see the boy who was, I guess, haunting the house was Mm -hmm. almost like a possessed item. But 
And they put that in the museum, but you really don't see it as being an actual possessed item. It just seems like it was just a way to see the yeah, boy. Yeah, I mean, we don't... We don't Gate, gateway. Yeah, we don't know whether or not... We, we don't really know whether dead spirits, dead people can attach themselves to objects. I mean, I guess they can haunt houses, so maybe they can attach themselves to objects. But I, I get the sense through this movie and then through Annabelle that demons have to basically have some conduit in which to kind of like break people down to de- then possess them or take their souls or whatever, you know, they're, they're trying to do. Yeah, I just kind of felt like like with what Anne was saying earlier with, I wish that you could have seen them investigating more of the backstory. Like they didn't, they just kind of brought the information out and spewed it. And I thought it was too quick for, for me to gather my thoughts and say, okay, well, this is this person and this is why this person's here. And this is why you have like, I don't know, what was it, three or four ghosts? Mm-hmm. I just felt like they could have, if they had investigated it and then kind of tied it all in, like, and you saw them going and researching it, it would have made more sense to me, like, the impact of it all. Yeah, I'll say it made more sense the second time. This time, I don't think I caught half of that whole, like, she possesses the other people and then makes them kill their kids. And then, you know, she, I don't think I caught nearly as much of that the first time. Right. Mm -hmm. What I will say is the scene that's in here that I think is probably the most iconic scene of this movie is, of course, when Ed and Lorraine first come to the house and Lorraine sees the spirit. She sees the spirit latched onto the family and that black figure. And I remember the first time I saw this movie, you know, she comes into the house and you're kind of oblivious to her interactions. There's like something like a little weird there. But then, of course, they go through and then they have almost too quickly, though, I feel just like we're saying. So in some ways, the movie felt a little rushed. But they have that reveal where all of a sudden Lorraine says, I saw the spirit. I saw this black demon latching onto you and your family. And it doesn't matter if you leave because the spirit will go with you um, type of thing. So I remember the first time I watched that, you're like, oh, wow. And then they replay the scenes with the spirit hanging around in the back. I thought that was so cool the first time. The second time I was like, eh. I was really unimpressed by it. And I have to say, generally, watching this whole movie a second, or maybe it's the third time I've seen it, I was generally unimpressed by the whole movie. I think maybe we've just seen so many more shocking movies recently that to me this just felt very subdued. But I was not overall super impressed by anything happening in this movie. Well, I will say to your point about the latching, the spirit latching itself onto them and they can't leave the property – it kind of runs contrary to Bathsheba's whole, like, if you just sell the house and leave, all I want is my land. Like, she wasn't really after them, was she? She was more pissed off because they were on her property and they had claimed ownership of it. But I guess maybe once you do that, she's just not going to let you go anyway. I don't know. All right. I mean, she's saying I'm cursing anybody who takes the land, but she's an evil witch. She wants to kill people. I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> come on over and I'll latch myself to you. I don't think she actually cares about the land. I mean, they say that she curses it, but it's not like... She's dedicated to her land. She's dedicated to the devil. Well, I guess, but she cursed anybody who would take her land. Isn't that what? Isn't that what the yeah, curse was? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But she, as an individual, is like, you know, beholden to the devil. Yeah. So yeah. she's. All, I mean, she sacrificed her baby. She's all about killing these other people. Yeah. So I can't see that she would be adverse to continuing to track yeah. them down and kill but, them. Is what but if they all left, would she follow them and leave her land? I guess that's my question. Like, would yeah. she do kill that? them and come back? Oh, yeah, I don't know how that works. Like, yeah, we don't know. Spirit following. Yeah, I mean, and I. It, and if like, you can be one, more than one place yeah. at the same time. Like Haunting of Hill House, we talked about that as well, because the yeah. spirit kind of traveled. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Mm-hmm. Anybody who anybody who doesn't know, uh, we did a um, companion podcast to Haunting of Hill House, which is on Netflix. So if you watch that show, 
you can listen to. We have 10 episodes. You can go and find that on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere you find your fine podcast. So um, go out and listen to that because it's an excellent show as well. We won't rehash it here. Yeah. Yeah. If you like this movie, you will really like that show. Yes, that's true. To gather evidence, Ed and Lorraine place cameras and bells around the house. They see Cindy sleepwalking into Andrea's room, and from the EVPs coming from the radio, they hear a spirit luring Cindy into the wardrobe where she reveals a secret passage inside. Lorraine enters the passage and falls through the floorboards to the cellar where she sees the spirit of a woman who Bathsheba had long ago possessed and used to kill her child. The parent family decides to take refuge at a motel, while Ed and Lorraine take the evidence to the church. The Warren's daughter, Judy, is attacked in their home by Bathsheba utilizing Annabelle, though Ed and Lorraine arrive in time to save her. Carolyn, now possessed by Bathsheba, takes Christine and April back to the house. Ed and Lorraine find Carolyn in the cellar trying to stab April. After tying Carolyn to a chair, Ed decides that an exorcism needs to be performed on Carolyn, but realizes there is not enough time to wait for a priest to arrive. Ed decides to perform the exorcism himself and in the process is attacked by Bathsheba. Though Carolyn escapes and attempts to kill April, Lorraine is able to distract Carolyn from killing her daughter by reminding her of a special memory she shared with her family, allowing Ed to complete the exorcism, saving Carolyn in April and lifting Bathsheba's curse forever. I just wanted to say, like, I loved the whole camera setup and the microphone when he is investigating because it's just, like, so 1970s in his outfit. Yeah, that was really cute. I agree. I was like, they go around with the camera and he's got, like, the uh, Bob Barker type of microphone going on. Six-inch microphone. (laughs) What I thought was interesting watching it this time was I noticed that Ed was very – like, his clothing was very flashy, like, like expensive-looking. Like, he looked like he was, and he kind of was a little, I don't want to say smarmy, but he could have come, come off that way, right? Like, I mean, he was a good guy, but it could easily, he could have tipped into, like, sort of an asshole-ish sort of, you know, mm-hmm. realm. Yeah, like, like a used car salesman knee feel I kind of got. Like he came Not into, with his clothes, but more of his demeanor. Yeah, his demeanor. I mean, he came into that house, the one that was like a, like a vest and a tie, and it, I mean, it was all, like, shiny and stuff. And I was like, wow, you look out of place in Rhode Island. With all this going on, but I didn't notice it the first time, and I noticed it this time. So obviously they're they're very I don't know, well off. Maybe isn't the right term, but but he dresses for success, I guess. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I noticed the first time and the second time, and then you kind of look at the couple, and you're like, what's the believability around this couple? But I feel like she starts to dress up more halfway through the movie for whatever reason. Like when she's in that ruffle blouse with her vest and everything, like she looks very nice. Like that's very high end. But it's also just because he's so fit, his posture is amazing, and his clothing is so tight as well. It's kind of like... <laughs> he has very tight clothing. It's, <laughs> it's like, to your point, it's very well polished, it's very well pressed, and it's you know just very fitted. Hey, if you got it, you flaunt it, and Patrick's well, got it. He's got it, so... Which he does not have when he's Owlman, by the way. He's like 25 pounds heavier when he's yeah. Owlman. And he's like a big dork in that. Yeah, so this section of the movie where they're putting all the cameras and the bells and stuff up... In my mind, I call that the poltergeist part of the movie because it reminds me of the poltergeist movie when they come in and do the exact same thing and they can't set the cameras up and do all that. And that's when I realized that this movie is, is like three different types of horror movies combined, right? It's like the haunted house, like your your haunted house movie, your like poltergeist movie, which is kind of like a haunted house, but you set up all the cameras. It's like your investigative thing. And then it's also a possession movie, like The Exorcist at the end. And that's why I was like, that's why they're rushing everything. Because they're actually cramming like three different particular subgenres of supernatural horror into one movie. 
So I enjoyed the, I think it was Cindy who was sleepwalking and then goes to the wardrobe and starts banging her head. Mm-hmm. And she did, it happens twice. And you're hearing the banging sound and you're like, what is this? What's happening? Is it the house? Like, And then it ends up being her sleepwalking and they have a known history with her sleepwalking. So then you kind of like write it off. But really, it's there's something weird going on with this wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was just super cool. Yeah. And you had the line, the witch in the wardrobe thrown in there. Yes, See? pretty much. I thought that too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of my favorite scenes later in this is when they go back into the wardrobe and you know that you actually have the haunting and they've got to get out the black light. And then they find the little hidden room behind the wardrobe. And then, of course, what is it? Um, Lorraine falls down through the building. I mean, that's just so intense. Yeah, so that was well done. And then backing it back up, you know, to sort of the first wardrobe. I think one of the scariest scenes the first time I had seen this was when it pans up and you see the spirit on top of the wardrobe and it jumps down and it physically attacks them. Um, You see the spirit like on and off a little bit, you know, later in the movie. I think that's the first visualization um, of the spirit. But I don't know. The second time I just, I felt like it was eh, like... I don't want to say gimmicky, but it just wasn't, I don't know. You're just kind of like, why? What? What's happening here? I don't know. Yeah, what's your motivation, spirit? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the scariest scene in the movie really was the um, when the girl wakes up and she's looking at the corner of the door's kind of propped open and she's looking at the black space beyond the door and they hold that whole scene for so long and they build it up so much that it I thought it was really cre- kind of like the bent neck lady going back to the bent neck lady from right. uh, from Haunting Hill House but and then the the sister gets up and kind of walks into that space like right before it and you're like oh my god like I mean it that that was a lot of tension in that in that scene I thought right. that was intense that was very suspenseful yeah that was good yeah, it was definitely taking what you know most childhood fears are of like that shadow in the corner, misinterpreting it for something else, and yet this kid's actually seeing something. It's just right. oh, definitely yeah. yeah, and and she and she puts her head under to look under the bed. Now, first of all, no kid does that. I think that was totally unrealistic. No kid puts their like their head down all the way to the floor, upside down, looking under the bed for like. 30 seconds right like you you're either not scared anymore and you're cool or you're like scared and you're not doing it anyway so but i feel like you could be a little scared and you could genuinely believe like she has four sisters that is one of the sisters playing a prank so that's where i kind of kept going back to like you know well how realistic if you had just moved into this house would you be writing this stuff off if you know your legs being yanked and you think that it's your sister like sort of just all these funny pranks uh you know to a certain extent, I could see it, but I felt the same way. I mean, I just felt, you know, terrified. And if you're actually that scared, then you're just pulling the covers over your head and, like, <laughs> refusing to look at yeah. anything. You know, screaming out for your mom and dad, screaming out for your sister. I'm, I'm telling you, I, you're jumping in bed with the other girl. If you even <laughs> right. want to put your feet down. I mean, it yeah, I mean, I had on one hop, one hop. You can get right there, like, one hop. So, like, if the other girl's, like, get out of my, you know, like, she, I think the other girl was older. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, get out of here. You're not coming in here. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I don't know. I would I would still go. If I was that scared, I still would be like, boop, boop. You'd be like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm just yeah, going to cuddle Yeah, I'm snuggling up. Yeah. That's no, no, it. No, Don't think I'd let my sister come into bed with me. Yeah. But I'd be just, older. <laughs> even just to wake you up and just be like, some shit's going down. I need your help. I mean, you'd be annoyed. Right. But wouldn't you be like, what? Well, I'd be like, there's nothing there. Come yeah. on. Yeah. And then you'd go investigate. <laughs> brave brave Helen that I am I'd be over in there in the corner checking it out <laughs> you'd be getting samples <laughs> that's right for investigative purposes 
Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be leaving my bed. There's no way. I mean, I'd shout out or whatever, but if I was that scared, I wouldn't be putting my feet on the ground. I don't know. I, I might, but I, I definitely expected like some crazy stuff to come out of those shadows and that did not happen. So it was. It was just the ghost told her, I'm going to kill your family or something if you don't leave or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what I, what I, what would you guys think about the noose that was in that back room space behind the wardrobe? Because I'm like, if somebody did kill themselves with this noose, which you assume they, I mean, it was dusty people, somebody hung themselves or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it still there? The whole thing was weird. Like, why are all those childhood items back there? I mean, Rory would go back there, I guess, and hide himself and play right. or whatever. But yeah, the whole thing was weird. You're, I, I agree. Yeah, if she had hanged herself. Also, you don't hear about the husband. Whatever yeah. happened to the husband? Like, did he just was like, F this and up and left and... I'm going to stash the noose in the back of back of this weird, uh, you know, wardrobe in the meantime. Like the whole thing. Yeah, no, I don't, well, I don't understand. I just assumed it was weird spirits doing weird things. Yeah, I got the sense at first that it was like another way of him to get up into that space. Like he could climb up, you know what I mean, from wherever in the basement or something like that. That doesn't make any sense when you think about it, I guess. Right. But I will say that they miss an opportunity to use the noose later on. During the exorcism, when they like find something to tie her up with, and I was like, "You have the rope with the noose," and not they didn't use it. Well, I was disappointed. I, di- I was disappointed. So that does lead us to the end, which is the exorcism piece of this this movie. Um, you have the obligatory, "Let's take the kids to the hotel," right? Um, and then mom takes the two youngest, I guess, back because she's gonna go ahead and sacrifice them. Uh, I don't know why she just didn't take one of them, but sure, whatever. And then um, everybody converges on the house. I like the fact that they they show Ed and Lorraine when they show up, and it's already in the midst of they're fighting the possessed mother, um, trying to get the what scissors out of her hands, right? Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that, and once again accelerated, right? I mean, there was, you know, we're already in it when they show up, which makes sense because they're farther away. One thing I thought was unique about this movie, and I liked, was they had the the um, bed sheet over her, you know, on the chair. And so she's making all those kind of movements and, and, you know, screeching and stuff like that. And then she, like, spits up the blood. And I thought that was a really cool visual. And then when it, when the sheet cracks or splits, and then it's, like, kind of you see Bathsheba instead of the mother at first. And then you see, the, of course, the mother during the exorcism. I liked all that. Yeah, I thought the effects during the exorcism were generally well done. I mean, between that and then the chair flipping and being upside down and yanking the people around, throwing them around. I mean, it was a little bit like a typical exorcism, so to speak. But I I thought that the effects were pretty seamless. Would would you? Okay, so if your significant other was possessed and you had them strapped to a chair and it levitated upside down up to the ceiling, straight upside down, their heads directly below, right, the bottom— are you going to yell, drop them, let them go, drop them? Because I'm thinking they're going to drop them right on their head and break their neck. And I noticed this time that, like, at the last moment, the chair, like, curves a little bit and it lands on her back instead of on her head. But I was like, mm, she probably would have just broke her neck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure because in, you know, as we've talked about, this is a little atypical. In other exorcisms, they definitely would not have because the whole point is to keep that body alive, right? Like, for, like, as long as possible and, like, torture others and torture the body. But in this one, I mean, if she's haunting the house and possessing the house, it's just out of convenience that she has the mother. At, but she wanted the mother to kill right. the to kill well, the family. Well, here's a question: You were talking about sticking to the authentic story, 
Was the levitation? You think the levitation was in the authentic story? Because what you just said about how typical possession, typical possession movies, you don't usually see that amount of supernaturalness. Gee, you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, if it's I mean, true, maybe they floated. I don't know. It's based on, based on, which means you know, there's like a thread of truth, and the rest is just totally. Yeah, I have some details on the actual exorcism. Oh, or not okay. exorcism, but like the actual haunting. Was um, there a bed sheet involved? It doesn't. I don't, it doesn't go into that detail. But um, let's see. Let's go back into my notes. Uh, so the mother that it was targeting the mother, and the farmhouse was on the old Arnold estate in Rhode Island. And the mother was awakened by a woman in an old gray dress with her head hanging to a side like a bent neck lady. Kind of odd, yeah. Ew. She delivered an ominous warning to the parents to find another place to live. So there was some physical things, like the bruising. Um, at one point, the mother was apparently stabbed with a knitting needle. Ugh. There was a real Bathsheba Thayer who married Judson Sherman, which is what the Bathsheba witch is based off of. She was not known to be an actual witch. She was actually buried in a plot with her name on it. So that would not be likely if they had accused her of witchcraft. Hmm. She had four kids, three whom died, but not due to unnatural or anything that was noticeable. Like, not notable circumstances. So they think it was just natural. Mm. That time frame, three kids just died. They're um, the Judy – not Judy. Judy's the Warren's daughter. One of the daughters wrote a book, I think, with the mother called House of Darkness, House of Light. So it talks about the possession. But Interesting. So, so they made this poor Bathsheba woman, like, evil in this movie, and she wasn't evil at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that she says that they – believe it was Bathsheba who was the person who was causing the problems. But I, I think the witch thing was all made up. Unless mm. that was something that Lorraine Warren kind of felt from the whole scenario, since she's supposed to be sensitive. Mm -hmm. oh, so, she, so she really didn't have a motivation in reality. They just gave her one so it make sense why she so. was doing this. Yeah. All right. Mm. Okay. Very interesting. Meanwhile, she really just didn't want people... On her land, screwing right. up her stuff. <laughs> but one of the daughters did say she saw the mother get like a possession-like thing, but I don't think an exorcism actually occurred. Mm -hmm. But then again, I didn't read the book, so. That's interesting. I mean, that is still pretty suspicious that she had three children, or four children, three of them died. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows about recording and, I don't know, I mean, The name so itself is kind of creepy, so it, why not? It's super weird. I'm like, is that really, is that a first name? Is that a last name? Is that... What? That was Bathsheba? her first. Yeah, it was Bathsheba <laughs> Thayer was her maiden name. Like what? Yeah. But I don't like 1800s. Maybe that was like more common. I wonder if she I went guess. by Sheba or Batty. I'd go by Batty. <laughs> I would go by Batty too. That's awesome. That's kind of. <laughs> so what did you think about how they saved her? Because I didn't, in the, in the wiki here, it says that he completes the exorcism. I didn't get that sense. I got the sense that she ended up fighting her off. More than her being exercised, the sort of Lorraine like laid her hands on her forehead, right. kind of like here's your memory. Here's your memory. You and, fight it. Yeah, that's yeah. I got that impression too. And that the husband it. was kind of like fight it, don't let her win, blah blah, blah which is kind of the rote typical stuff that the significant other says during a possession. Yeah, I thought the exorcism was successful and that Lorraine and the husband were just augmenting it because that's what they do, right? That they try to coach the inner spirit to fight the demon off and blah blah blah, but. You know, it's, I just wrap that all up, too. That's part of the exorcism. Because that's not actually what an exorcism is. I mean, exorcism has nothing to do with the person. The person can't fight the spirit off. It's the, it's the power of God 
that expels the spirit, right? Like the whole thing, like in the Exorcist TV show, they go into that like multiple times, like this idea that you as a person don't have the power. It's only God that has the power. It's the whole reason the Catholic Church and a priest has to do it because it's like the power of Christ compels you, if you will. (laughs) Exactly. So, so, so it's interesting that like they do have her fight off the spirit, but then you're kind of like, is the spirit still there? It's still at the house, still haunting, because they didn't get rid of her, right? Mm-hmm. She just kind of like. And the real went parents away. continued to live there, so it's not like they actually left the house. Oh, just you know, I don't know if that's. I mean, that wasn't really made clear in this movie, but no, it it, it seemed like they were getting the hell out of yeah, Dodge. Yeah, I mean, I would have gotten the hell out of Dodge, but sure, taking a big truck ride down to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about throwing in the Warrens' daughter getting attacked by Annabelle? At that point, because I just kind of, I don't know, it was creepy. You see the the woman who got murdered. I don't want to say murdered. The woman who was in the cult who murdered the family next door, her parents, her Annabelle. adopted parents or whatever. Yeah, the real Annabelle, the, the human Annabelle rocking in the rocking chair, which was also utilized in the Annabelle movie. So they must have really been. When did Annabelle come out, do you remember? So 2015? A couple of years, yeah. After. Yeah, because I was like, he must have really had it in play, like what he oh. wanted to do. So I, I was, I thought it was ambivalent whether or not the woman rocking with Annabelle was Bathsheba or the woman Annabelle from the movie. I mean, I, I think, I think watching it this time, I attributed it to, of course, the woman from the Annabelle movie, right. Annabelle from the Annabelle movie. But like the first time, I just thought it was the witch. No, I definitely thought it was the witch because the whole point was that it was transferred through the lockets, right? She grabbed the oh. locket off of Lorraine. But she's wearing and then the same she used nightgown. The connection. Well, they're both in dirty nightgowns. <laughs> oh, there's darn dirty wait, nightgowns and can't tell them apart. But do you know what I kind of felt like watching it the second time was I felt it was more like Bathsheba and her sort of spiritual power or whatever, or her demonic, not demonic power, but evil power kind of gave Annabelle like the ability to sort of infiltrate the girl's dreams, I guess, or whatever, because she wasn't really there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she, give her a vision or whatever it was. I don't know. I or maybe don't know. they were, was maybe she? they were I mean, we really joined forces. Well, he went back in and she was still in the case. So I'm so assuming she got she wasn't. out magically. She could have gotten back in magically. I don't think she got out. I think it was kind of all a, all, all a dream and sequence or whatever. Notes, but, so, but, yeah, I feel like oh, you just don't know. Although the one it's th- demons. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing, one thing that was very interesting about it is in the Annabelle movie, she never moves. Like the doll doesn't move, right? The demon moves her, right? But she doesn't move. But in this movie, she chuckies it up a little bit and tilts her head over and looks at the girl, which is kind of a little bit like breaking the rules of Annabelle, the kind of doll. Well, unless the demon's there moving her. I mean, you don't know. Well, he wasn't. There's no shadows. Remember, he's in the shadows moving her before. Yeah, but you don't see it in Annabelle until you see it at the end. It's the same thing. It could be the same thing here. Also, I don't know if there's like some viral network of all these demonic, you know, entities to your point, Helen, like if the one's talking to the other and they're coordinating to get, I I mean, I don't know, but. Like are they friends? Yeah. who Demon knows? Friends. Yeah, right. on, on the black market. Yeah. Maybe you're going to find out in Conjuring 3 slash 4 slash whatever that Bathsheba was actually sacrificing her daughter to the demon that is now attached to Annabelle. Oh. Right? I'm telling you. Maybe. It's like an evil Avengers or something. Yeah. <laughs> evil demon Avengers. <laughs> 
I mean, it's possible, but I mean, I felt like you know they were pretty specific about those lockets. Creating That's true. You're you're, you're right. I think too. within this movie, I would have thought it was the witch, not necessarily the the Annabelle woman. But it was creepy, man. That whole thing was weird. Yeah. Right. And just I I just wasn't sure how I I didn't feel very strongly about the lockets and the connection mm-hmm. and the mom coming back and saying we need to save her. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a loose gimmick. For sure. Yeah. You know, hey, mom, I found these at the church garage sale or wherever she got them. You know, and that she found these two very similar lockets, which you're, I was already like, they're cursed. <laughs> like already. Yeah, I know, right? I was like. They're going in the museum. Especially like from, you know, the whole Harry Potter, like, you know, the, the cursed horcruxes and all that. You're just kind of like, yep, no thanks. But you would think that Lorraine, it's you know, as she's force sensitive or whatever, would know. Um, that they were or were not, but yeah, they're. And then why are they connected? Like one, why would one almost be like some kind of portal to the other one or connected? Well, I think it's because of the pictures in it, right? I guess that would be the family and the pictures and I mean, whatever guess, their feeling or, is or on it, or whatever. Even that the daughter had touched them or whatever. I mean, I guess. But, yeah, I, I would think. Eh, I would yeah, think that so. if you were Lorraine and Ed and you believed that these objects were there were possessions and you know attachments and conduits, that anything that you didn't buy and was like shrink wrapped from like ikea or walmart that didn't exist back then i understand at least not everywhere um that you would have it blessed but you'd be like that came from a garage sale i don't know who the hell's been on that thing i don't know what kind of weird spirits or energies are messing around with it so holy water returning home lorraine tells ed that they have been left a message stating that they have gained approval from the catholic church to perform the exorcism they also have another case to investigate on Long Island. Before leaving, Ed adds a music box from the parents' house to a collection of items he and Lorraine have saved from past cases. It inexplicably opens and plays music. So one thing that I think that always bothers me with possession things is that the Catholic Church is just not quick enough. Like, have we not developed a system to make this a little bit faster to, to like, do these investigations on exorcisms at this point? <laughs> like... It does feel like that's just a traditional check the box, like, we have to perform this unsanctioned exorcism. Here we go. Just, like, amp it up that much more. You're like, okay, yeah, I guess. That's because the church doesn't do them, right? I mean, the church doesn't really sanction them anymore, I don't think. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a hush-hush thing, I guess. I was going to say, to be clear, not that we would know. (laughs) Well, no. Of all the exorcisms I've attended in the past. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's true. And not that we're like that in, you know, with... With with the circle, the inner circle. JP, you know, (laughs) he's not like, hey, by the way, I was listening to your podcast about exorcisms and I just have a few things to tell you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, so I thought, again, sort of wrapping it all up, that it... I, I felt the same. You're kind of like, well, what's the point of then, okay, we got it from the Catholic Church. Like, I guess we're just like throwing them in front of the bus a little bit on that one. And then they wrap it up. And then what's the deal with them getting another case at the end? Was that just to say, hey, so life goes on? Because I also felt like you would think that the mother or father would come to this realization that they're not spending any time with their daughter. I felt like that was a theme in the first, the first time I had watched that. So... I know sometimes, you know, they'll change the edits of these movies when they re-release them. So I don't know if that was changed or if it was just something that I felt in the first one that wasn't re-expressed in the second one. Um, The second time I watched it, excuse me. But again, like they're never spending any time with the daughter. Their mother's taking care of it. I mean, the daughter is completely like neglected, was just attacked, is still potentially at risk of being like possessed or haunted again. And they're like, well, we got another case. We're going off tomorrow. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like for Lorraine, it's it's an issue that she has this gift and she feels like she has to use it to help people. So she's compelled in that sense. I feel like with Ed, it's like 50-50. I think he wants to help people, but I think he also likes the fame that goes along with it. I mean, it goes with the clothes. So it's almost like he'd rather be out there doing the work than he would be in at home with his daughter or his family. And, you know, like I said, I think his wife's just compelled to, to do it, to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. You think he just likes it for the fame because he wears flashy clothing. Tight, flashy clothing. <laughs> Well-pressed, yeah. tight, flashy clothing. Well, he's got to look good. It's not really that flashy of clothing, though. No, no, it's not, I don't think it's that flashy, but I, I do think it's it's much more like upscale clothing than you would potentially need to be a demonologist. Yeah, I don't think I'd wear what he wore to go ghost hunting. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be wearing like that ruffly blouse with, no, you know, with her either. too, but yeah. I mean, she looked good in it, so, you but know. She wears interesting things yeah anyway and, and it's the 70s i don't think she ever exited that decade nope I so yeah so. it made me think about the 70s like all the crazy cars that you know they've got the the volkswagen van and everything and you're like man i kind of miss all that i feel like in the last 20 years cars have just gotten boring they're just like they've been the same since 95 <laughs> I was going to say 20 years. It's been a quite a little more than 20 years since the 70s. I thought you were backing it up to the 70s. No, yeah, you mean no, to the, no, no. The 90s, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, do you guys want to go into the segment of Kill, Chill, and Thrill? Sure. All right. Yeah, I mean, I always start with Ray, so this time I'm going to mix it up and go with Anne. All right. Kill, Chill, and Thrill. So the person that I'm going to kill is going to be Bathsheba's husband for totally dropping the ball on whatever happened there. Not seeing what's going on with his wife, not warning people, and not getting the land re-blessed and exercise or anything like that. So whomever that mystery guy is, totally freaking useless. So I'm killing him off anyways. Um, I'm going to chill definitely with the girls. I just think like girl day out. They seem really fun and interesting. They all have like their own little quirky personalities. And then throw going with Owlman. All right. You're up. Okay. Who would I kill? Yeah, I'm going to kill the mother. Um, and, and, and unfortunately it's based on the fact that I don't like the actress very much. I would not kill the actress, but I'm just in this movie. I think I would kill her off because I, she's in a couple other horror movies and I just, I don't like her acting style. Really? Yep. So I gotta, although I think she did a good job of being possessed. She did. Yeah. Okay. Um, we don't really know it was her under the blanket though. Just say that's true. That's true. We don't know that. So who would I chill with? I'm going to chill with, um, you know, Dewey, Dewey 2 or whatever, the, the cop. I thought, you know, he was cool. You know, he's cool people. Uh, if I could chill with him and the um, the Asian guy, right? The audio. Uh, AV tech guy. AV tech guy. Like, I think, I, I mean, we could we could solve mysteries in the van. I mean, I could do that whole thing. It'd be really cool. Uh, and who would I thrill? So there's not much here to work with. Got a lot of <laughs> underage girls. And then you have the mother who I killed. So I, that's, that's pretty much not going to happen. You got Lorraine. You got the grandmother. You got other spirits. <laughs> ah, it's tough. You know, I am just going to randomly pick one of the college girls out of of that uh, of that seminar. I so and, wondered uh, if you were going to do that. So, uh, that's, <laughs> I totally that's, did. That's that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with this one. So. All right. All right. So for mine, I was going to kill the police officer because I just didn't really oh. care about him too much. Man, it's tough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, and not that too. I have anything against police officers. I love you guys. Uh, for chilling, I was going to chill with Ron Livingston. 
Yeah, he's cool. So I am going to give a shout out to my buddy Scooter because he told me that he was a weatherman for like three months. And I don't know if it was like during this time period that he actually ran into Ron Livingston and had a beer with him. Said he was a very cool guy. That's cool. cool. So I figured in real life, he's cool. So I'll chill with him. And Thrill, I was going to go with Ed as well. We always have the same chill. (laughs) Or no, Thrill. We always throw with the same guy. Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) All right, well, now that we've reviewed the movie, I guess it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. Now, the first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second is the impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to see it again? All right. Well, and why don't we start with your three scores? Okay. I think you guys are really going to hate my scoring on this, Um, but (laughs) nevertheless, I'm going to go for it. On technical, I gave it a five. I thought there was nothing overly impressive about this. Um, I thought that the effects were well enough executed, but nothing that was overwhelmingly interesting. I didn't think directorially there was anything overly interesting happening as well. They had a couple of shots where the director, I felt like he was like, let's try to do something different. You know, we'll rotate the camera in this one shot. Um, But it didn't feel like good storytelling to me. It didn't feel, you know, artistically interesting. So I just went with a a five. Uh, For impact, I also gave it a five. I didn't feel like it was super scary. And again, maybe we've just been really desensitized. Um, and I just didn't feel like it wasn't a total flop. I mean, it definitely had a plot. It went through and, you know, the acting was decent enough and it, it was spooky. Um, but I, it was, it just wasn't super scary to me. Maybe after terrifier, nothing is scary. You know? <laughs> so, so I don't know. And so for enjoyment, I mean, maybe I just wasn't really into it. I also just gave it a flat five because to me, after I watched this movie, it just felt super average to me. And maybe it's just because a lot of other movies have picked up on some of these type of, you know, cool nuances or, you know, created tropes out of what they were doing in this movie. I'm not sure how much this movie created sort of that ripple effect. But, you know, in hindsight, going back and rewatching it again, I was just very like, All right, Helen. So I'm like the complete opposite of Anne. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's like a mood thing because I know the last time we rated a movie, I was like, did I really not enjoy it as much as I rated it? But this time, like I think I'm rating awfully high. So I gave it a nine for technical composition. I gave it an eight for impact because I thought there was scary points to it. Like just embodying the fact that like the girl was yanked out of the bed and like the even I liked the ghost on top of the armoire and a nine for enjoyment because I would watch it again. Right, well, for me, for a technical composition, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, impact, I am going to give it an 8 as well. I thought it was scary. And then for enjoyment, I am going to give it a 7. I would probably watch it again. I think this is a movie you could put on and enjoy kind of just watching. It doesn't require too much of an emotional investment that you kind of feel drained after you're you're watching it done watching it. And it ends happy, right? I mean, the, you know, nobody, I guess, dies except for the dog, right? So uh, yeah, and birds, a lot of birds in a lot of birds. Oh, that was the other, that was the other trope I was going to say. There's a lot of birds in the movie too. Yeah. It's kind of like strange. Mm-hmm. So anyway, seven. All right, Anne, why don't you, uh, run the old calculator through there and give us our, give us our scores. All right. 
Beep up, beep up, boop. All right. <laughs> so not a surprise. I came in with the lowest ranking score out of five since I rated everything a five for this movie. Um, Ray, you're the next up uh, on the scale at a 7.67. And Helen, you're the top of the scale with an 8.67, bringing this movie to an average of a 7.11. Okay, well, that does not put it at the top of the hill. It's still Ghostbusters. But it does put it right in line with Annabelle, just below it. Annabelle was a 7.33. It's a 7.11. Puts it equal with Annihilation and Halloween 2018. I mean, generally, I wondered how this stacked up against Annihilation because I was going to say, since I watched it again, if I was at a party, I would definitely not recommend this movie over something like an Annihilation, which is just so much more unique. And of course, people haven't really seen it. So I think that that's such, sort of an interesting watch for people. But I mean, people love this movie. So, you know, it's going to be a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on what kind of party you're showing this movie at, like, or showing a movie at. Because if you're showing it where it's kind of in the background and people are doing other things, I think The Conjuring is a better movie just to put on, like, if people are kind of half watching. But Annihilation is, I think, is a more cerebral movie to watch. I definitely agree. Like, I think people would watch it and be like, oh, I have to think about that and then talk about it afterwards. What kind of parties are you at where there's just a movie on in the background? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Good parties? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, usually it's sports. But, like, yeah, I've been to a few parties where you're... But that's never been a horror movie. It's usually been, like, Napoleon Dynamite or something. Yeah. Is is that not a horror movie? <laughs> because I, I really... You have nightmares about llamas? I, I just can't. I know, I never made it through the movie. Sorry. You check I, your pockets for tater tots? <laughs> I feel like if this movie was on, I'd leave the room. Like, I'd be like, I've seen it. I'm done with it. Like, I'd go do the dishes and come back type of thing. Oh, I should invite you to my parties yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the dishes for me. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been to a bar before where they played the movies in the background while you're at the bar and like you're drinking or doing whatever. And, you know, that, I mean, that's cool. Like you could see that, like just kind of like a weird, you know, back scene. So I could see something there, but agree. I mean, it's not something I would be focusing on. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience, rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>